Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is TeacherCast Podcast, episode number 180. Today, we're going to be talking about writing but not your traditional writing. Today we're going to be talking about writing for the world of entertainment. And we have a fantastic director, producer, author, and maybe we can get him to make a podcast before the end of the show. You never know. We're going to be talking to a fantastic author that I met recently at Podcast Movement about how you can bring the art of screenplay writing into your general education classroom. We, of course, want to say thank you guys out there for watching. There's several great things that you can do to be a part of this and all of our shows. We love it when you find us on Twitter, at TeacherCast. Leave us a voice message over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. And, of course, you can email us over at feedback at TeacherCast.net. It has been a great summer. And, of course, a summer that is quickly coming to an end. We've been putting out a lot of great shows on instructional technology coaching over at AskTheTechCoach.com. But recently, we put out a show all about blogging with our friends from blogger.com. And it was really about how to take your students who are used to creating that five-paragraph essay and how to teach them how to create for blogging worlds, where maybe you don't have five sentences in a paragraph. Maybe you have two sentences in a paragraph. I got a lot of feedback about that, and I was thinking about that because this is a different way of teaching our kids. And that got me thinking about other ways that we can bring writing assignments into our class, or maybe non-traditional writing assignments. My guest today is a writer. He is a director of music videos. He does PSAs. He does screenplays. He's written for TV, and he was a fantastic person to connect with this year at Podcast Movement in Philadelphia from the great county of Bucks County, Pennsylvania. I want to bring on director Doug Keith. Doug, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm doing great, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It is great to have you on here. Tell us a little bit about some of the great things that you've been doing. Sure. So for the last 20 years, I've been um, focusing on screenplay writing, which has led me into doing directing. Um, I know a lot of writers say, well, what I really want to do is direct. But when you're writing independent material, directing is the way to actually get it made. Otherwise, it tends to sit inside your computer or in a desk drawer. So it's given me the opportunity to actually bring some of my material to life. And that's led to opportunities where I've actually gotten paid or at least been able to work on professional productions just based on that material that I've generated. And I, I have an undergraduate degree in journalism and a master's in communications. and. So I've been doing creative stuff kind of my whole life, but uh, I've always been in love with movies. And for the last 20 years, I've participated in a screenwriting group at the University of Pennsylvania with uh, Mark Lapidula, who is uh, an instructor at Yale and also Johns Hopkins and, and travels the country speaking about screenwriting and doing seminars about movies. And uh, it's given me a great opportunity to be able to really learn the craft of writing uh, and writing screenplays, writing plays, writing uh, television shows. And uh, it's also just a great form for me to be able to talk to other people who are writing. They all tend to kind of work in isolation. So it's really great to have other people to bounce material off of. And I think that's one of the important things to remember is that as a writer, you're not just working by yourself. There's a whole community of people out there that can help you. Now, that's interesting that you, you started off by saying if you want to get your stuff that you wrote published become a director and i find that that was kind of been the philosophy for a lot of podcasters out there where if you've got an idea 
you can try to take it to somebody else's show and pitch it, or you can create your own content, your podcast, your blog, your your book, your whatever it is. Is that difficult to kind of break through? Because that seems so obvious, right? Like if you want to do something yourself, just go do it. Why, why does that seem like a hard concept for people to kind of get into? Is it just because it's hard work? Well, it just seems like a very daunting process. And even the most successful movie directors, when they first got into doing it, they were very afraid and had no idea what they were doing. I heard an interview one time with the Farrelly brothers who did There's Something About Mary. And although they had written several successful movies, they had never directed a movie before. And they said on the first day on the set, they were just basically lying in the fetal position, kind of unable to move. And they realized, though, that they had a whole crew of people who knew what they were doing. And they just started asking questions. What should I do? What should I do? How should I do this? And as long as that's one of the great things about doing something like um, making films is that it's a very collaborative medi- medium. And if you work with people who have that experience in, in specific areas of uh, creating uh, films, then you have people to go to. You're not alone. And you can have other people help you bring the vision to life because each person in any creative endeavor, each person sort of has their own role to play. Some people are great with a camera. Some people really know all of the specs of the equipment. Some people know how to put out a good spread of food. Some people are great at getting people from one location to another. They love the organization piece. Some are just creative people, but they might not be great doing those other things. But without all those people working together, you're not going to really have something that's very good. And I found even in the short films that I've made, it's just so much fun collaborating with other people. There's this idea that if you're like a Steven Spielberg type, you know, you're the auteur, you're the genius, you're Quentin Tarantino, you know, you're the one with the ideas and no other ideas are good. Well, actually, the vast majority of successful directors are people who highly value the input of others and actually feel like they get a much better product from the people that they work with. So, so let me ask you this in relationship to my past, we were talking before the show, I'm, I'm a musician, I'm a, I was a conductor, and you know, I got into conducting because I was sitting in the viola section of these orchestras going, okay, I see this guy up there waving his arms, let me see what that feels like, let me, let me try that, and then I got the conducting bug, and next thing you know, you're leading groups, or you have a degree in leading groups. Is it difficult to go from a writer to director versus maybe being an actor and then suddenly deciding to walk behind the camera? Well, it's a good question because, um, again, people have different strengths and uh, there are some actors who who have gotten into directing and um, the actors who those directors work with love that because they like working with somebody who understands how difficult it is to act. But not there are some actors who say, I only want to do the one thing because I'm good at that thing and all those other pieces I'm really not that interested in. And there are many actors who never even watch their own films. They just do that bit, they walk off the set, and that thing's done. And they know that a director is going to be living with that for months afterwards. On the other hand, writers can be good directors because they've already formulated the material in their head. They have a good idea of what it might look like, what it should look like if they were given the opportunity to tell somebody that. And um, so therefore, they if they're able to, A, communicate that 
visual to someone else and be have the the leadership skills essentially to be able to get a whole herd of people going in the right direction then writers really have a great chance of um, making some really good um, product but but on the other hand writers can fall in love with the material that they create and it's hard for them to put an x through it sometimes it's hard for them to hear criticism of it uh, so you have to really, it sounds counterintuitive in the entertainment business, but you really have to kind of let go of your ego and say, I'm just looking for the best ideas. Now, ironically, this is what, how any successful business would function. So what, if you're Steve Jobs, you're Mark Zuckerberg, um, you're Elon Musk, you're Steven Spielberg, you're a political leader, the people that seem to, um, have the most success are those that really put together a good team and want to work in a collaborative environment and they recognize they might be the person with the vision but they need those other people to bring that vision to life when it when it comes to directing the stuff that you've done and i and i guess this question here is coming from my love of listening to kevin smith a lot like he 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 wrote it he birthed it he created it and sure. then suddenly you've got mall rats or right. or, or, or clerks right but now he's out there doing these CW shows where it's somebody else's writing. Could you talk a little bit maybe about the difference between directing your own creations versus maybe directing somebody else's visions? And I want to get into your music videos in a second because clearly that's somebody else's vision, somebody else's thing that you then have to put your spin on. But what, what is that difference of, of your own work versus somebody else's work? <clears throat> well... There are kind of upsides and downsides to directing your own material. Um, first of all, um, maybe an analogy in music would be if you're Billy Joel. Billy Joel hasn't released any new music th since 2003. And Rod Stewart has stopped writing original songs as well, but they both perform quite frequently. And they recognize the writing is really hard and I saw an interview with Billy Joel recently, and he said that he writes songs all the time. He just doesn't think any of them are good enough. He just has a really high bar for himself, and he disappoints himself with the material he creates. And he loves the material that he has created, and so he just keeps performing that. And so the writing part is in some ways the most challenging part because I mean, we were talking about you know a student having to write a five just a one page paper with five paragraphs on it. I have twin 17 year old daughters and one of them has been working on our college essay. And she said, it's only 600 words, that's three pages. But she said, I don't even know where to start. I said, why don't you write an outline first? And so she wrote a little outline and then she's been filling in the pieces. So it's all building blocks as opposed to looking at that blank page and saying, I just have to fill up the blank page. So directors, like Steven Spielberg doesn't write I don't know if he's credited as a writer on much of anything, but he has writers that he works with regularly because they are kind of simpatico in terms of, you know, their their approach, their the voice that they're going to use, and he trusts them to give him great material that then he can use that. And really, this is really what a screenplay is is just the bare bones. It's an outline. It's um, just basic descriptions. It's not saying the character then scratches a nose unless that is relevant. Otherwise, why would you mention that? Let the actor find that part. Let the director find that part. But directors, a lot of times, the, the, the bigger directors um, will use other people's material because 
they're just looking for something that's compelling. And they see a compelling piece of material. It could be a book. It could be a screenplay. And they say, I know how I can make that. So Kevin Smith, that's a really interesting um it's really interesting that you bring him up because I just saw a stand-up special with him recently, mm-hmm. and he was talking about, um, you know, basically his love of comic books. He was talking about how um, he's ended up doing a successful podcast about comic books. He has a love of things, and I think that love comes through in different ways. And when you're um, an artist or a creative person, you kind of more or less look for the vehicle that best will uh, help you to express yourself. Sometimes that's writing something. Sometimes that's taking something somebody else gave you. And he talked in that stand-up special specifically about um, some episodes of one of the CW shows, one of the superhero shows that he directed several episodes of. And he loves those characters. He knows the the material inside and out. And that's why he was a great choice to direct it, even though he wasn't actually writing it. So sometimes you're just looking for a way to just, you know, get your feelings out. And it doesn't always have to be that entire package. And sometimes doing the entire package is kind of exhausting. You know, you were you were saying just a little bit ago that you were working with your little one about creating a essay, and you said start with that outline. And I, I kind of want to talk here in umbrella terms because we could talk about five paragraph essays. We could talk about podcasting and how to create a, a good show. We could also talk about a lesson plan. Maybe somebody gives you the lesson plan, and you have to figure out how to you know, put 45 minutes of of energy into a lesson to actually get a point across. I think they're all the same thing, right? And I I often preach that a podcast is a lesson plan. You have an intro. What are we going to talk about today? Here we are in the middle of this lesson plan. And my goal is to keep my listeners attention till I get to the end. And in a screenplay, you have the same idea, right? You start with some kind of a bang and then that, you know, you're off to the races and then you pick up the pieces and then you kind of wrap it up. Are there any similarities here for you? I mean, do you think about these things when you're writing? Do you create an outline for this or talk to us a little bit about your process and, you know, maybe then we'll kind of go into the teaching and how do we do this with our students part, but how do you start? You got a blank page and a typewriter. Sure. Can, can I read a quote that I have here? Please. Okay. I actually, I'm always, uh, I love the interconnection of material and I'll read stories about uh, athletes and their travails. I'll read about business people, how they built their business. Uh, I'll just read about everyday people and the types of things they're experiencing. And I've really noticed over a lot of years that there's so much overlap. So it's very much what you're saying. There's these sort of universal truths it's just that people are working in very different fields, but they're all experiencing similar things. And so I was reading this, a story about, um, it's actually talked about the importance of storytelling sort of in your everyday life. So that's what this quote is about. It says, another of those skills frequently overlooked is storytelling. It's different from communication, a next step. Every successful pitch for a new policy, new product, or new company is essentially a story with a shape and logic intended to stir its audience. So is every successful job interview. The best moment in a workplace meeting belongs to the colleague who tells the best story. So take a course in Greek mythology, British literature, political rhetoric, or anything else that exposes you to the structure of narrative and the art of persuasion. 
so when you go back to time, so much of um, so so many stories are based on myths that have existed for thousands of years. You go back to Aristotle, who came up with so many theories about drama and the way drama is structured. So I always say, like, there's really not a lot that's kind of new under the sun, you know. But um, but the important thing is what you were saying a minute ago, which is your ability to be able to hold people's attention. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the people who are most engaging, even in your own life, it could be your Uncle Phil, and you're like, I love going, when I go to a big gathering and Uncle Phil's there, I can't wait to hear him talk because he just tells the best stories. And it's not just, I was in World War II. It might be something specific that happened in World War II, or it might be something funny that happened to him, but some people are just natural storytellers. and it really is true. One of my best friends is in sales and he's just a very engaging person. He's just a kind of person that just kind of commands the room. I'm more of an introvert. I've had to learn how to talk and how to engage people. And that's, I think a lot of times, especially why people end up going into art because they might not feel like they're strong communicators with others on a personal level, but they can communicate through their art. And even a painting, a static painting, is a story. And you want to know about that person in the painting, or you want to know what was the artist thinking. And so it's storytelling is universal. My um, my screenwriting teacher tells this. It's really great. I told him it should be a TED Talk. Um, I saw him do a presentation, and he was talking about the origin of storytelling. And he said, think about the cave paintings in France, right? And imagine those those people sitting in this cave around a fire. And you see those paintings all are stories. Like you see antelope and you see the cave people chasing the antelope. And then you see them cooking the antelope. And that's a beginning, a middle, and the end. But he also said, relating it to film, he said, in the cave, the fire is flickering and it's creating a moving image almost in the cave painting there. So you're almost seeing an animated story even from thousands of years ago. So this idea that the people who tell the best stories kind of win, that's why a lot of entrepreneurs are really successful, like Elon Musk. He's a great storyteller. He's a compelling person. You want to know where he's going to go. Whatever crazy product he's building, you want to know. So these people who are storytellers uh, sometimes make the best salespeople, the, um, the most engaging people. But that doesn't mean if you're an introvert that you can't be a tremendous storyteller and you could write a tremendous story, do a piece of art, write a piece of music. You're talking about conducting music, write an incredible piece of music. And there are plenty of composers who are not engaging people. But when they wrote, all of it came out. You could you can hear all of the feeling. And they really, like a 45-minute symphony, there's so much communication in, in a piece like that. It's unbelievable listening to that from beginning to end. You know, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And I, I find a lot of people are looking at what we do as bloggers, as podcasters, as writers, and we're looking at the wrong thing. You know, we're looking for how many downloads did you have? How many copies of the book did you buy? How many people hit your website today? And I'm going, no, that, that that's not what we're looking at here. It's in this particular episode, which at this point it's a 20 minute episode, are you still listening to it? Like, have right. you gotten into this, right? Um, you know, if you, if you take your average rock album, if people 
download it that way. Are you getting into that fourth, <laughs> seventh, or eighth song, or are you just listening to the top three tracks, which might be the hits? Like, when you listen to a podcast, right. are you getting all the way through? The average person listens to a YouTube video for 30 seconds, but the average person always listen. You know, the average person listens to one of my YouTube channels for 20 minutes which is a huge number for me. And it's the same thing. Right. I always look at that in terms of teaching out there. It's not if you have one student in your class or 30 students in your class or as the music teacher, 150 students in your class, it's do you have their attention for the full period? And that's what makes it good. And, and as you're saying that, I, I was thinking back to, you know, I don't want to say it's my favorite movie, but I could put on Die Hard with a Vengeance every <laughs> single day I have no idea why, but when I've got nothing else to do, I'll put that on and it will it will take my attention the entire because every five minutes there's John McClane solving another problem or he's got this or he's got to drive to here or blow this thing up. But that's a movie that keeps your attention and it's not the dialogue. It's just the whole package keeps you mm -hmm. going. So what is it about this and how do we teach our students to write like this because you know they don't have the life experiences many of them right. say but but how do we go from a world where five paragraph essay with this huge beginning paragraph maybe a little tight you know a little ending three or four bullet points how do we transition from that into screenwriting into tv writing into edutainment writing mm -hmm. well it's it, it's interesting you say that because a few years ago I was guest lecturing in a multimedia class about screenwriting. And then after the after I did the presentation, then um, we took a look at some scripts from the students. And there was a wide variety of scripts. And, and I remember one of them was about um, like some type of mob story. You know, there's a hit put out on somebody. And I was looking at it and I said, where is this? I asked the person, where is this coming from? And the first thing, of course, you do is you imitate others before you start finding your own voice. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, if you're again going back to music, if you um, the first thing you pick up a, a guitar, you're probably not going to you're going to play Mary Has a Little Lamb. You might not play your own composition. And you, then later on, you might play Jimi Hendrix. And, and but eventually you bring all these styles together and then you come up with your own voice. Uh, but I think, though, that especially when it comes to something like movies, uh, people have seen so many movies that they, they have two uh, points of view. One is there's this amazing movie and I want to imitate that. Or the other a lot of times is that's as good as this could be. I can do better than that. And my screenwriter teacher said one time in the first class I went to with him, he said, you have to have some ambition when you're making something. He said, if you aim as high as Casablanca, you might make it as far as Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But if you only aim as high as Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you're probably not going to get very far. So you want to aim high, recognizing that you're probably not going to get there. But when you think about especially students, they tend to think this is really interesting. To me. They tend to think their own lives are very boring. They tend to think that nothing interesting happens to them. You know, I live in a suburban area. My kids say this is the most boring place where nothing happens. But every day they'll come home from school and say, Dad, you won't believe what happened. 
And then they'll start telling me a story. They'll start telling me about a friend. They'll start, start telling me about an incident. So interesting things are happening to them every day that they don't think are interesting. And this is one of the things that I've been working on lately, but I think really makes a good writer, is just paying attention to what is going on around you. If you go into a food court in the mall, and you just sit there quietly and eat your food and listen to what other people are talking about. You hear the most amazing things. Or you ever hear somebody on a cell phone and you only hear the one side of the conversation? Imagine what's happening on the other side. But there's so much material that's around us all the time that you don't have to recreate a superhero movie just because you're 15 and you say, I haven't really lived yet. But yet there's this tremendous movie out right now. I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen so much about it and I can't wait to see it called Eighth Grade. And the person who wrote it is only 27 and he wrote about an eighth grader and the eighth graders have gone to see it. They're like, nailed it. <laughs> they say, you know, this is almost cringy for me to watch because it's so close to my own experience. But what they don't recognize is they're living that right now. It's just hard when you're that age to kind of step back and reflect on, and sometimes kind of painful to step back and re reflect on your own experience. But you're having experiences every day that could really be kind of compelling if you speak from your heart as opposed to what you were saying, Jeff, which is how do I impress someone else? How do I get 10,000 downloads? How do I promote this thing that I'm doing? Or how do I create something someone else is going to like? And you know what? That's really kind of chasing your own tail. So one of the books that I was going to um, recommend uh, is called Writing Screenplays That Sell the Ackerman Way. And it's by a UCA, UCLA professor. And it's a great book because it's all just the basic building blocks of a screenplay. But I was um, just preparing for a discussion today. I was reading through um, some material I copied off uh, just where he had been interviewed. I think it might have even been from the end of the book. And um, he says, um, writing a script to chase a popular trend is often self-defeating. By the time you've written that script, the pipeline is nearly always filled. I believe a better, more profitable strategy is to write something more personal, something nobody else in the universe can write, even if it doesn't fit a trend, so that it showcases that individual thing called your voice, right? So that's what people are looking for. And when you see uh, a 15-year-old who is on America's Got Talent, and they don't sound like Adele, they don't sound like anybody else, and that's when the judges get most excited. But if you watch a show like The Voice and you hear 10 people that are all amazing singers, but none of them sound unique, they're actually look bored. They're not impressed by the technical virtuosity. They're impressed by somebody who just sounds like nobody else in the world. And I think just to, <laughs> to generalize, that's what you should be aiming for in life is recognizing that you have unique characteristics because of your DNA, because of your upbringing that nobody else has. So trying to be like every other person, oh, this is so hard when you're 14, 15, and everybody around you is trying to suck you into their group or you feel like you have to be part of a group. But in the end, these the people that really end up succeeding life are the ones that are pretty much unlike anybody else. But it's hard, to, it takes a lot of courage to say, I'm just gonna speak from my heart. I'm gonna share some painful things that might be embarrassing, but on the other hand, they might help somebody else and really have a unique voice. So when you ask, like, 
about writing and how do you write something that's interesting or compelling, where do you start? I think the first thing you do, especially when you're a younger person, is just write what you know and get that down on paper as much as you can. People write diaries all the time. That's a, that's a, you know, a story. You're telling yourself stories about what happened today. Um, you're talking to your friends and you know, telling them what happened. And then imagine if you just had to do a presentation in front of class about what happened to you today. You would try and come up with a compelling story to make that happen. So screenwriting has very specific rules, but if you can't tell a good story, none of the rules matter. Well, when we're looking at this, right, and, and it, it's funny here because everything that you're saying, Doug, is in my head being translated into podcasting and, and the coaching yeah. that we do here, right? So it's okay. It, when you first create your show, it's all right to say, I want my show to be like that person's show. Or, you know, hey, Kevin Smith does this great podcast about comic books. I want to do something like that, too. And you know, that is how TeacherCast started. I wanted to do something like a friend of mine's, but with an education spin. Right, and finally right, sure. he said, go. And then, you know, seven years later, we, we have our own voice, we have our own show, we've got multiple shows. When we're looking at this, how do we keep our voice, not just for one piece of content, but for several. I mean, one of the examples that we were talking about earlier was the whole Beyonce and Jay-Z thing of how they've got their story is now told between a couple, two or three different yes. albums or or, or right. things, whatever they do, right? Um, how do you do that? Do you set out to create the beginning of a trilogy? Or is it best to say, we're going to create one, see how it works? I mean, not everything is right. the Empire Strikes Back here. Right, right. No, that's a, that's actually a great question. Um, you know, one of the people that amazes me is J.K. Rowling mm -hmm. with Harry Potter because she basically knew the whole story. And if you look at the arc of those books, I mean, what happens at the beginning? We find out who Voldemort is, and we know he's a dangerous person, and we know he needs to be eliminated. It only took eight books and ten movies to do that. <laughs> right but every one of those um every one of those movies every one of those books was a building block that's all aiming towards really just one ending each of those books had their own individual ending and it's essentially mentioned star wars right i remember when i was a kid and i saw the empire strikes back and that's the second one right episode episode seven or whatever it was i get so confused episode four five, five, so five. i remember i remember it got to the end yeah episode five it got to the end and luke's like getting his hand fixed and then the ship flies away i'm like what wait a minute i need the end now like three more years i have to wait for this but certainly george lucas knew where he really wanted this to end up now that doesn't mean that people don't write essentially just think of them as chapters three episodes of you know, three chapters of um, Harry Potter, three chapters of Star Wars. And certainly those people, uh, you know, they might have written one and said, well, the other two aren't really worth doing. Um, but on the other hand, you get the momentum going. And I think sometimes that's what happens, too, is people get the momentum going for one. And then they're like, 
I got another idea. I got another idea. But they had to get the first one down first. Supposedly, the creators of the TV show Lost, which was on for six or seven seasons, which is a very bizarre story. But supposedly, they knew how it was going to end from the time that they started. And I'm a big fan of of Adam and Eddie, right? Because my my wife and I used to watch or still kind of watch Once Upon a Time. And they're like, yes, from the first season, they knew kind of exactly where they wanted to go with the ending and how this was going to. They didn't know how many seasons they had. They didn't know all these different, but they knew the ending. Yes. And sometimes when it comes to writing, that's the only thing you might know. (laughs) Or the only thing you might know is the beginning. You just might have an idea pop into your head where you say, oh, I would love to see where that story goes. Or an idea comes into your head and you say, oh, I know that ending. I want to see how they got there. So when you, it's interesting, you asked me earlier about that blank page you know how do you start filling in the blank page when i first started writing screenplays i a lot of people would talk about outlining or putting all of your thoughts onto note cards and then you could organize the note cards and i thought that doesn't sound like very much fun and then i actually did it for one script where i did all the note cards and i felt really locked into what i'd already written on those cards like i had to do that and i didn't enjoy the experience too much so i read this book um stephen uh, stephen king wrote called on writing which a lot of writers have read and half the book is a memoir and half the book is he calls it the writer's toolbox and he talked about how he'll start with just a couple of characters, a basic story, and he just sees where it takes them. And a lot of writers will say that. I want to see where those characters take me, right? So then I tried that. I wrote 20 pages of a script, which, by the way, probably took me, let's say, I'd write like uh, five pages in two hours. So that's at least four or five hours of work. I got the end of that 20 pages, and I said, I have no idea where this is going. It's a dead end. It was so hard for me to craft all this stuff. So a few years later, I took a comedy writing class online with one of the creators of The Onion newspaper, and um, he just gave us some basic materials, and one was about outlining. And each week, it was only four weeks, but we had to do this process. The first week, we would just give them the log lines, which is just one sentence. Here's what the story is about. The next week, we just give them like a paragraph of fleshing it out a little bit. In the third week, we actually had to write sort of a treatment for it, which is the story from beginning to end. And then in the fourth week, we just wrote a scene that he reviewed. And from that process, I realized outlining actually is really helpful because it's so hard to write dialogue. It's so hard to write a lot of descriptions. But when you kind of outline, you can move that stuff around easily. You talked about using um, Final Cut, right? What's, What's great about Final Cut is you can just drop and drag. I'm going to take this scene, and this scene was at the end. I'm going to use it at the beginning. Well, with a screenplay, you think, well, I've got to have it all in my head, or I've got to see how it unfolds. But you know what? It's great when you can cut and paste a paragraph from the end and put it at the beginning, or you can cut and paste that paragraph and just put it. I, I create these junk files. I'm like, don't like that idea right now. And then later I'll say, no, it'd be great. Oh, I have that in the junk file. So now you can be an editor while you're writing and create the thing on the page and then just make a complete script. Once you've worked out, the entire story and my nephew is actually a writer tv writer and he and his partner have created two shows that have been on the cw network and the first thing that they have to do is they have to write out the beats which is just what's going to happen before they write a script they have to get that approved here's the beat sheet they get that approved okay go ahead and write a script 
They don't, don't just turn in a script. They have to know what's going to happen. Then you have the creativity within, oh, you know, this isn't really working the way I hoped. I'm going to go in a different direction. But you're never locked into that idea. And whether you're writing that five-paragraph piece for school, if you're writing a college essay, if you're writing a, a term paper, it's going to be 30 pages. Getting all that information down is important. And I'll tell you what, I heard, a, I, I saw an interview with Mike Myers, who was on Saturday Night Live. And um, it was on the actor's studio. And um, the host asked him, how could you write all that material for Saturday Night Live? How did you ever get all that done? And he said, well, you had to write fast. So what I realized was, just write it. Even if it's crap, you can fix it later. And when I'm writing anything, whether it's for business or it's a screenplay, and I'm sitting there with like, what's the perfect word? And I'm like, I don't care what the perfect word is, just write something and then fix it later. And I think with writing, people expect that it's gonna come out and it's gonna be beautiful on the page, but that is hoping for way too much. <laughs> just get it down, edit, edit, edit. That's where in a film and a script, that's where the movie's actually made. So so what's your process here, right? Because again, when we're talking about a five paragraph essay, that's like a two and a half page Google Doc. When you're right. looking at a screenplay, are you throwing everything in a Google Doc? Are you using something like Scrivener or, or one of those kind of apps? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure. not talking like your outline, but I mean, you know, when we were talking about Final Cut, Scrivener came to mind because that's something where you can literally move sections in the application to move scenes right. and stuff back and forth. What is your what is your technology of choice when you're actually, you know, knee deep into doing a project? Well, just for doing the outlining, uh, I just use Microsoft Word. <laughs> I mean, you can easily cut and paste in split seconds. You can have multiple documents over. I'll have that open off that junk document on the right hand side my main outline on the left hand side and i just keep transferring things back and forth it's it's really easy so really it's just your preferred tool for writing whatever it might be now there are specific um screenplay uh programs like final draft and movie magic that can take care of the formatting and formatting is important when you're writing um scripts that you're going to submit uh, to contests, just to production companies, because an easy way to eliminate somebody is to look at the formatting, say the formatting is all wrong, this person clearly has no idea what's going on, I'm not even going to bother reading it, and I'll throw it in the trash. But if you use those programs I mentioned, they'll do a lot of the formatting stuff for you. So once it's time to actually um, start writing the script, that's when I use, I use Final Draft, I like it. And you can do outlining and final draft as well, and then build the script from there. Uh, but sometimes you're kind of fighting the formatting. And when I'm just doing the that's you know the structure within final draft, I like using Word just because it doesn't really care what the format looks like, and it doesn't want to put a bunch of tabs in or move things down to another line or something like that. So I mean, it is really basic. But I mean, there are still people who write write on you know. They use a pen <laughs> and a pad of paper. Uh, I used to do that, but then I love having it in a digital format where I can easily move that uh, move the text around. Talking today to director, author, I, I, we're going to get into this soon, music video writer and director, Doug Keith, um, about an amazing career here of doing all these great things and especially how we can be bringing these skills into our classroom. Doug, to wrap everything up here, I got to ask you, music videos, is it similar? 
is it different? Is it more complex? Because y- you said writing to beats. Literally, you're writing to beats. Talk to right. us about the music video process here. Sure. So mu- music videos are a challenge because you have to decide. what. First of all, and this is actually also a very good question to ask anytime you're creating something. Who is my audience? What, what am I making this for? Is this going to go on MTV? Am I making this for myself? Um, that'll really help to determine what you're going to create. So with music videos, really great songs tell you a story. And sometimes the story is literal. You know, if it's Bruce Springsteen, especially earlier in his career, he would create characters and you can imagine a very literal story. Other times it's, it could be a beat. It could be a guitar part. It could be something basic that kind of spurs your interest. Um, and you can just take that spark of an idea and, you know, create, but it's still then it's the same process. You're going to want to outline it. You're going to want to storyboard it and then you've got to shoot it. So, and then you've got to edit it. Um, I'm amazed sometimes at, um, with, with music videos, how creative people are. Um, they can take, um, something that might not even really be, have a story associated with it, but they just have a visual in their head that you would never see the two going together. Um, I was doing, uh, I, I used to play in, a, I played in music all my life and the last band I played in, I left the band, but I was still do, uh, working with them. And they did this one song that I really loved. And I said, I think this would be a great music video. And the basic premise of the song uh, was, it's talking about the creative process, making music in your basement, um, and how um, you're letting the sun shine through. That was what the song was called. So I came up with this idea for the video where it was gonna be like Dead Poet Society. And because the song was about like the outcast who's pulling everybody in. And I imagine shooting it at a private school and having the band in it. So I tell um, tell the singer about the, the guy who wrote the song, I tell him about the idea and he says, man, that sounds like some big budget Weezer video. We're not that at all. I said, how about if I just get the kids across the street or always skateboarding to come out one day, I'll just shoot them doing that. He says, now that sounds cool. So that's what I did. I just recruited these kids to come out at two o'clock. I said, I'll give you pizza. We spent three hours. I just shot them skateboarding. They're throwing the football around. And then, so there wasn't really even a story except for the beginning where I haven't come out of their house. The end, they went back in their house. But when I, I it's, it's actually on YouTube. And it says it doesn't have thousands of hits, but the best compliment I got was somebody wrote, this is great. It reminds me so much of those childhood days when I just did nothing but just had a you know fun skateboarding, hanging out with my friends. So I had, without um, coming up with something elaborate, actually doing something very simple, I was able to communicate a feeling that really spoke to people. And that other video I had, idea I had that they might people might watch it and said well I see he's kind of mimicking Dead Poet Society but I don't really get the message so sometimes that sim- simple part I think really matters a lot and with even the scripts I've been working on lately I've been trying not to th- I've been trying to think less like Ingmar Bergman you know a French New Wave and think what's the simplest way I can tell this story then I can build on that and I think people think they have to create this intense art as opposed to just saying, let me do something simple and I'll I'll add to that. I'll find my own voice, as you said. Doug, you've got Doug, such Doug, a, Doug. a great resume here. Again, music videos, PSA, screenplays. Where can people find out more information about the great things that you're doing? 
Sure. Well, my main contact information is on LinkedIn. It's Doug Keith, and my company's called Future Research Consulting. So, um, you know, you're welcome to connect to me. You're welcome to message me. We can have offline conversation if you'd like. Uh, just as an aside, uh, so I actually have a consulting business. I do market research, and that's actually, Jeff, how you and I met, mm -hmm. because I was at Podcast Movement, because I was there working with one of my uh, clients who um, uh, places advertising and podcasts. So I love that experience of being there, because I was there with both business people and creative people. And I've really found those two worlds really jive really well together. So even when I'm working with a client on ad they're writing, I can bring all of that storytelling to helping them be to create a better ad for a podcast. So for all of the podcasters that are listening out there, having compelling advertising that fits well with your message is just as important as the content that you're creating yourself. So, and I also mention that because if you can be an artist and you can also be a person who makes money, the two do not have to be uh, separate, no, you know, and no, you can, no. you, I, I don't it, it's you. okay to do both. I just want to really emphasize that. The, 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 the podcaster with two music degrees. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> These things just don't happen at the same time. No, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> Guys, we want to know what you think about all this stuff here. I mean, I, I love the subject here of teaching students how to write slightly different. I mean, this is clearly stuff that is not on the test, right? But here yes. we have two podcasts that we're putting out, one on how to create short content for blogging, for writing on online you know, web, web publications. And today we're talking about how, how to do screenplays, long form stuff, keep your audience moving throughout the body of a work or throughout the body of several works here. We want to know what you think. Are you out there teaching your students how to write? Are you teaching your students how to podcast? We want to hear from you. Reach out to us on Twitter at TeacherCast or certainly leave us a voice message. We want to hear from you. And please, uh, we had two people this week leave us a voice message and they were anonymous. They didn't give me their information. So I, I really can't, can't use this stuff and I certainly can't give credit to where credit's do, but the 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 feedback was fantastic. So I want to say thank you out there if you're listening um, to those two people that wrote. But but please, when you leave us a voicemail, let us know who you are. Um, Doug, any any words of advice on the future here, or to any teacher who wants to jump in for themselves on this kind of a platform, or work with their students on this type of work? Sure. Well, there are a couple of. Um resources that I just want to mention. There are tons of screenwriting books. And it was funny at the uh, at the podcast movement um, conference, I was speaking with a podcaster who has a small, a small audience, but um, but yeah, is very passionate about what she's doing. And one thing she said is, I've kind of noticed that it seems like there are a lot of businesses that sell services to podcasters and the podcasters themselves aren't making any money, but whether it's buying the equipment or um, getting consulting. And that's the same thing in screenwriting. There are a lot of people that want to sell you um, books, tools, uh, you know, ways that you can improve. But I've, I've looked a lot, a lot of uh, material, and there are a few things that I, I can point out. One is a book called Save the Cat, Save the Cat by Blake Snyder. This book 
breaks down the structure of um, on which most movies uh, today are based. Some actually say uh, it's actually created a problem in Hollywood films because so many movies are structured like this. But it is a really good starting place for learning um, structure and being able to um, fill out 100 pages of material uh, just a few pages at a time. I mentioned the book Write Screenplays That Sell the Ackerman Way by William Ackerman. That's a tremendous resource. Uh, and then there's another book called Story by Robert McKee. This book is really sort of the definitive book in screenwriting, but I did find that that book tends to be more theoretical than offering real concrete recommendations about structure. But in terms of just about thinking about story generally, I think it is a, a really tremendous resource. I also mentioned the screenplay um, writing tools, Final Draft, Movie Magic. There are some others. You just find the one that really works for you. And the last thing, Jeff, that I just really want to emphasize is this. Um, if you want to get good at anything, you have to put in the time. And with screenwriting, it's no different. Um, and you have to be really open to criticism. It's funny. In other areas of my life, sometimes someone criticizes me and say, hey, let me give you 10 reasons why you're wrong. But with my screenwriting, I find that um, when someone says, I think this could be better or different, um, that's interesting. Let me think about that. And it's, I think it's because... I recognize that I'm, I'm still improving and I like the collaborative nature of it. And I realized early on that as a filmmaker, musicians, you don't get to explain to the audience what you meant. So you can't stand outside the theater and say, well, in act two, when it seemed kind of confusing, I was really trying to do this. Nope. If they walk out and they didn't get act two, as you were saying earlier, they stopped paying attention in the middle of act two. Uh, so it's really important to keep working and working, refining, refining. The editing is where it really comes from. When uh, Bob Dylan won the Nobel Prize, um, I read an interview with him and he said, just, it's just really hard work to write good music. And he said, you have to write 100 songs to get one good one. Yeah. So you just have to be willing to keep creating, keep creating, recognizing that first screenplay that you think is the most amazing thing. People might say is the worst thing. So what? Just write another one, write another one, write another one. It, it, I, I'm so glad you're, you're saying this. You know, when we, when we talk to podcasters, I always say, you know, I always call it the rule of 50. Your first 50 shows are going to stink and the next one's going to get better. The next one's going to get better. And then sooner or later you go, oh, I've got 200 shows. This is, I found a voice. Right. And, and it's always that same exact way. It is so awesome to, to, to have you on the show, Doug. Please come on back. Uh, maybe I we will. Can, you know, if you, if you guys wanted to, to do a show with Doug, maybe we can have you on. We'll do like a teacher and, and, and a writer kind of a show. We would love to have that, Doug. Um, and, you know, I don't know. Maybe we can get a couple of writing students on here, too, because I, I would love to dive into oh, more that. of these different things, because there is there is a difference right between TV writing and screenplay writing and film writing and and music. Like, what is the difference there? And, and maybe we could take the time and juxtapose that in the difference between doing a sports podcast versus an educational podcast. Right. There's a lot no, of different things, but they all have the same thing in common, guys. Find an audience figure out how to keep their attention and just create good content. I want to have you guys reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at TeacherCast or leave us a voice message over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Guys, I hope you're having a great start to your school year. I know I am. As the summer winds down and as we get into the scene uh, of things, there's a lot of great things happening. Our Ask the Tech Coach podcast is doing amazing. want to give a big shout out to our co-host now, 
Nick Amaral, who's been doing a fantastic job on Mike 2, doing some great stuff. And if you are a tech coach out there, we want to hear from you. We would like to have you participate in our instructional tech coach program. It's just getting ramped up. We want to hear from you. Of course, there's other great things over on TeacherCast, like educationalpodcasting.today, where you can learn how to create your own podcast and create the WordPress website of your dreams. But until next time, everybody, keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. 